Live from the Mountain West Conference Tournament, inside the Thomas and Mac, it's Cofield and Company. Ball comes in to Harkless. Turn, shoots a three, air ball. Noel grabs it. Noel loses it. Noel gets it back. He shoots a three from the corner. Oh! And he makes it! Shane Noel ties the game at the buzzer! Mobbed by his teammates in the corner. Shane Noel, a line drive three goes in. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Friday, Friday. Yeah! All right, here we go on a Friday. Cofield and Company. Willie Ramirez is over at Treasure Island. Thomas and Mac is the site. Nice and clear right now, Willie, so I can yell as loud as I want. What's up, buddy? What's happening? It's a... It's happening over here at, at, at Treasure Island, I can tell you that. So if you're not going to any of the conference tournament games that are around Las Vegas, I would highly suggest you come to Treasure Island and hang out with me and James. Yes. Because every TV is on, all the games are on, the kiosks are open, the betting is on fire. Runner Rebels lose last night, end of the season, so we'll break that down throughout the show and actually at the very beginning of the show. Good call there by John Sandler and Curtis Terry with the, with the blood-curdling scream on a three at the end of regulation by Shane Noel. Unfortunately, the Rebels ran out of gas in the overtime, and now their season is likely over. No postseason. Willie, let's start out talking about this tournament, talking about the Mountain West Conference, some national stories. we got a lot going on today. We're going to talk to Caleb Herring in less than half an hour. Darren Millard on VGK. So we got so much going on here around Las Vegas. We got to get to it quickly. Joe Esposito, Coach Joe is back. Season is finished first year with the Ruse. Joe, National Insider. How does it sound, buddy? Glad to have you back. Hey, man, it's great to be back. I miss you guys. I tell you, you know, it was a lot of fun being uh, being with you every week, and I'm glad to be back. Let's do it. The contract is signed. Uh, you'll be getting a uh, total of uh, probably nothing. Uh, I'll get you something when I go to Kansas City in about a month. Hopefully, we can meet up. But let's get right. Let, let's get right into it, Joe. Uh, first of all, you know, you, you guys coached. Uh, Marvin Menzies is with you. Uh, he's the head coach. You're one of the assistants in Kansas City. So you're looking from afar. Uh, what's your opinion of what UNLV did this season? And unfortunately, last night they run into one of those programs. Boise and San Diego State are the standard in the Mountain West Conference, and. Man, they just know how to win close games. Yeah, you know, they had a tough one last night, getting into overtime with Boise. And, you know, Boise's one of the better teams, obviously, as we know. The Mountain West this year impressed me. What a, what a great league. I mean, one of the top, I would say, six or seven uh, team, uh, conferences in the uh, country. Um, and they had a good, you know, a great year. And, you know, UNLV started off so strong, 11-1. and one, And then they had some tough losses. When you look at them losing to... You know, San Jose State early and late uh, in December in overtime, losing to Colorado State in overtime. And they, you know, they lost to Fresno twice. I mean, they had some tough losses, but I'll tell you, they, they had a good year. Um, and I think that, you know, they have something to build off for the future. UNLV coach, coached at a lot of different places around the country, Memphis, Minnesota, Texas Tech, to name a few of them. Well... Here's the thing, Joe. Now moving forward for UNLV, they got to go into your favorite area, and I know you guys have to dip in there. It's just a reality of college basketball, the portal, or as you call it, what? The portal potty. And I, got, and got, I tell you're you, gonna, you're going to lose guys, and you got to get guys, right? 
yeah, you know, we joked about it when I was with you guys, and I told you how terrible it is, and I'm still not a big fan. I've, I've been actually looking at the portal all day today. Kids are going in left and right, and, you know, I just still believe what I told you guys a long time ago is I think it's just a way for kids to learn how to quit. And if things aren't going right and coach didn't like me or I didn't play enough minutes or whatever it may be, right away you're looking for a better situation. I don't know if that's really what life's about. So I'm not a big fan of it, but unfortunately we have to do it. We're in it. And uh, it makes it hard for coaches because you don't know who is going to be around next year. You don't know who's going to come to your office and say, I want to go in a portal. And it definitely makes the game different. And a lot of these older coaches, like you see Bayheim's out now and White Williams and Tubby and, and all those guys that aren't in anymore, a lot of the reason why is because of the portal and this NIL stuff. Speaking of Coach Joe, Joe Esposito. Um, all right, so let's get right down to it here in Las Vegas. Kevin Kruger already. We're here in the chatter. Got to go early out. I get it. UNLV, after the loss to Duke, went to two NC2A tournaments over the next 15 years. Hasn't been back over the last 10. But if we keep turning coaches over here in Las Vegas, there's never going to be a flow, a rhythm. And I get it, Tim Miles isn't making life easier for anyone else with the way he's turned San Jose State around. But I personally think that Kevin Kruger needs a chance to establish some stability in this program. Your thoughts? And I, I agree with you. I think that's an important part of any program is stability. I mean, coaches getting fired left and right, you know, a bunch today and, and whatever it may be, you got to evaluate coaches a little differently now because of the portal. And when you look at San Jose State and what Tim Miles has been able to do, well, he pulled a kid out of Ohio State, he got a kid out of Temple, a kid out of Arizona, a kid out of Southern Carolina, South Carolina, and you know, he, he put together a really good team, and they got hot at the end of the season. They ended up beating Nevada um, in overtime, who they lost to twice during a year. And, um, you know, those kids were in big games. You know, they played in big big atmospheres, big stadiums. They, they knew what it was going to take. So the portal for him really worked his advantage. And now he's got a chance to play, uh, play San Diego State. I don't know how that's going to go. I would think that San Diego State's the team that's going to win that whole thing. But... There's an example right there. You never know what's going to happen year to year. It's just like scheduling. When you're looking at scheduling teams now, well, you used to go off of who they have coming back, what they're going to do um, as far as their, their team. And now it's almost impossible because you don't know who's coming back and you don't know who they're going to bring in. So the game's really changed. I agree with you. He needs time to get it established. They had a decent season. It wasn't like they had a horrible season. They scheduled down, but they were small. I think one of the things that – UNLV didn't have is true size. And I think if they get some size, they're one of the smallest teams in the country, like number 300 in the country in size. I think if they get some size in there, I think they'll move in the right direction. Let me ask you this. I remember way back in the day, right, Coach, the late, great Coach Jim Bola with the late, great Coach Jerry Tarkanian. There was... There was a playoff on both sides where Bola could recruit and say, you know, look at what the men said. Look what we have at this in Las Vegas, right? And, and sort of play off one another. Can I'm just curious, can Kevin Kruger now use and sort of play off of what the Lady Rebels are doing? Because, I mean, they're not just making regional headlines anymore. They're making national headlines. Can that play a part? I, I definitely think so. You know what? I was always a huge fan of UNLV, and when I got the opportunity to coach out there, 
it was one of the most exciting times because I really believed that's a great program, a sitting giant. You got all the opportunity out there. It's tough to have a kid say no to you in a place like Vegas. And, and now with the NIL situation and, and all these different schools with these collectives and, and players having the opportunity to make money for their name, image, and likeness, I think UNLV should absolutely just flourish just because it's a city that, that has all the, the things you need to be successful and what kids are looking for. You know, it's a different kind of kid. You know, when I was started my coaching career back in the late 80s, um, there, was no, there was no opportunity to get on the Internet and worry about how many likes you have and worry about your TikTok and your Twitter and all that stuff. It wasn't like that. Kids were just more, you know, hey, I picked a school. I'm going to ride it out and work as far as I can to get minutes. Now it's all about who likes you or who who's impressed by you or where you can go for a better opportunity. So, But I believe UNLV is a sleeping giant program, and I think he'll be fine. Kevin can get it going, and he just needs to get that stability with his program, bring in the right guys, get the NIL collective going, and I think they'll be successful. Coach Joe is with us, College Basketball Insider, now coaching with the uh, Ruse in Kansas City, and just like uh, Kevin Kruger and the rest of the Mountain West Conference going to be uh, looking for recruits, looking in that transfer portal. Uh, let's talk about the tournament for a couple of minutes here. Uh, right now, this morning, the top seeds, according to Lenardi, were Alabama, UCLA, Houston, Kansas, Baylor, Texas, Arizona, Purdue behind them. Do you agree with the one line? Well, you know, I, I believe, I believe, yeah, if, if Houston wins the AAC, you know, if Memphis goes ahead and beats them, um, I think that that would be a question mark there. You know, I also think that UCLA needs to win the Pac-12. Alabama, for sure, I believe that their team, and, and, you know, Kansas is right there. I mean, Kansas, in the net, they're only number eight, but they've got 16 quad one wins. It's really impressive. Now Bill Self is unfortunately hospitalized. They're playing in the tournament. If Texas can knock them off, it'll be interesting to see if they do get on the one line. But I do agree with where it's at right now. Purdue is the only one I think that might be able to slide in there. If they win the Big Ten, they beat Rutgers today, your team. Ah. I was thinking about you during the whole game. And uh, I do believe that Purdue could roll in there and Kansas could end up being a two. Yeah, one of the more amazing things I've seen this year, yes, I'm bitter, but uh, Zach Eady, seven foot, seven foot four, 290 pounds, has 50 fouls in 30 games going into the game, and um, it's a weird one. Uh, let's talk about some, some coaching rumors out there. First of all, Texas Tech is a good job. Mark Adams just royally screwed this thing up. You're very familiar with that program. Where do you think they are right now in terms of a mindset? Well, you know, I, I think they've got a lot going for them right there. Uh, like I said, when, I, when we got there, that program was, was in shambles, you know, four straight last place finishes. And I really believe still to this day that Tubby Smith was the one that got that thing going. We went to the NCAA tournament, left for Memphis, and Chris Beard did a great job. Mark Adams got in there. Things didn't go the right way. You know, some things, you know, like I said again, it, it, it's a different age of coaching. And, uh, you know, it just didn't work out there. And now they – have an opportunity to bring in a big name. I'm hearing all sorts of names. Uh, I've heard a lot of big, big names. Like even Rick Pitino has been. I don't know if Rick Pitino can live in Lubbock, huh. but I but I do know that uh, they're going to get they're going to get a good coach in there. They've got a lot of money in the collective. Um, they got a lot of opportunity to bring really good players in there. And I think it's a sleeping giant job. I love that job. I love that city. And I know that they'll land on their feet 100. percent Joe, what's your favorite pizza place? I know you're trying to slim down, but what's your favorite pizza place in Kansas City? You got a place? You know, 
you know, I can throw out Minsky's, but I'm more into the barbecue now. But let's nice. talk about pizza for a minute. Don't you still owe me pizza? I know. That's why I was asking. I'm, <laughs> I'm coming to town at the end of the month, so I might have to track you down. Uh, the first day I get there, I'll give you a date, and we'd have to, we might have to break some bread, break some pizza. I owe you. No question. But the barbecue here is, is top-notch. I'm telling you right now. You can't go wrong with 239, Jack Stack, Joe's. I mean, they're all fantastic. And yep. Even though I'm on a diet, if I just intermediate fast and eat some barbecue every 28 hours, I'm in good shape. <laughs> there you go. All right, Coach Joe, wait, 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 wait. Instead of telling us your favorite pizza joint, I just need to know and hear the correct answer before we let you go here. What style pizza is the right pizza? With nothing on it and just cheese. Like, I want it where you New bend York it. is what you're saying. New, yeah, New York style with cheese where you bend it and the yes. grease goes down yes. your arms. Yes! Nothing better. That's And we can end it on that. <laughs> hey, Joe, we'll check in with you next week. Uh, have fun going through the, 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 the portal, looking for players, and we'll, uh, we'll react to the brackets early next week. You guys are the best. Talk to you soon. There he is, former UNLV assistant Joe Esposito, now in Kansas City, coaching uh, with Marvin Menzies, the Ruse program. We're live here getting ready for the semis tonight at the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Go to Ticketmaster.com. Folks, I'm telling you, uh, I, I, was, I was actually talking my girlfriend's ear off, who does not care, because I was so amped up at like 10 a.m. this morning talking about the semis tonight. The crowds out here uh, are going to be so fired up. Utah State and Boise and San Diego State, I'm sure, is going to have a few more thousand drive up. Uh, you've got the upset darling trying to steal a bid. What a setup. Ticketmaster.com, Final Four, the Mountain West Conference Tournament, going down shortly after 6. Field and Company is live at the Thomas and Mack for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. Weird from Keyshawn, because uh, I think I've seen about 50 or 60 media people, including former players who have told or listed reasons why they don't like Lamar. So we were planning on talking to Lamar or talking about Lamar Jackson uh, coming out here, but we got a big trade in the NFL. The number one pick is on the move. The Bears have moved out of the number one hole. The Panthers have traded up with a slew of picks and a player going back to the Bears, and clearly they're targeting a quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, Caleb Herring is with us. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing much better. I'm, I feel good about, you know, everything that's going on. I like talking to NFL. I like the movement. It's going to be excited. I, I, I'm excited about what's going on. I don't think we have any, any indication yet of who Frank Reich and Carolina like, uh, but I think they moved up to get the quarterback they want. Do you have any guess at who it could be? If I had to guess, um, I would say Bryce Young still goes number one um, from the quarterback group, I would guess. Um, he's not my favorite pick. Uh, but I, I would guess that, that that would probably be where they would go with it. Um, I think C.J. Stroud is the best quarterback. He's the safest quarterback, in my opinion, as far as risk and uh, what could potentially happen, what he could develop into as far as a franchise quarterback. I think he's the least risky of the picks. Um, but I would say Bryce Young would probably be the guy that most guys have probably checked off to be their franchise guy. And it's for more than just the on-the-field reasons, I think, uh, he's shown a lot during this process about his maturity and how he handles himself. And he's a guy you'd like to be the face of your franchise. But who knows? Like you said, there's been no real indication out of Carolina um, that the trade up to get the number one is a really aggressive one. 
Um, I don't know that the haul is worth it from this bunch of quarterbacks. Honestly, every one of them has a question for the, you know, this, this year's quite There's a question mark over basically every quarterback's head that still has to be answered. But I would say CJ Stroud is probably the safest, but Bryce Young seems to have all the momentum behind him, even though, you know, his not, not participation, his size and all that stuff has come up. I think he still gets the nod from a lot of guys on the inside. Kellen Herring's with us, a former UNLV quarterback. So let's talk about the established guys in the league, and we haven't gotten your reaction to Derek Carr last week tweeting out, who dat? Uh, he's going to the Saints. Do you like the choice? I do. I do for a lot of reasons. For Derek Carr personally, I think he's at the stage in his career where winning is all that matters. He's, he's going to be judged on winning and success in the playoffs. And if he can sneak a ring, I don't know if the Saints are necessarily contenders because of Derek Carr. But I think winning and postseason success are like the last thing, really, that Derek Carr has to prove. And going to the NFC South, which is probably debatably the worst division in football going, going into next year, at least the one with the most question marks with the Falcons and Tampa Bay without Tom Brady. Um, it's kind of up there what that division is going to be. And the Saints definitely had to play for it this past season to get the division title um, and get into the postseason. Um, so I think, I think for that reason, for Derek Carr personally, it's a good move. I think also for the football purpose of it, uh, Michael Thomas, who restructured his contract recently this year, um, being available, Chris Olave, a young receiver, he's got some talent around him. Obviously, Alvin Kamara with his legal issues, we'll see what happens with that. But just looking at that, he has some weapons at his disposal. The Saints obviously haven't had a good defense for quite some time, a solid defense, which compared to what the Raiders have had for Derek Carr's whole career will be refreshing. Um, I think he has a chance to, to, to check off some boxes finally in his career that he hasn't been able to as a Raider um, that gives him some individual respect. Um, and I think it, it, you know, going to the NFC, it's been talked about during the offseason and how the, the quarterback disparity between the AFC and the NFC is really a big gap. I mean, he goes from the AFC, which probably had the, the most, the deepest quarterback roster. You know, you talk about going against Patrick Mahomes twice a year, uh, you know, the, the, those kind of things that he's avoiding. The AFC is loaded. Josh Allen, seems like all the top quarterbacks are coming out of the AFC right now. The NFC, especially if Aaron Rodgers ends up moving, um, really, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, and whoever else is the other quarterbacks of the NFC. So Derek Carr, you know, gets some respect in the NFC as a quarterback. So I like the move. I like Derek Carr in the Saints. We'll see how it works, um, and we'll see how the season goes for him. Hopefully he finds his best there. Speaking with Caleb Herring, um, Lamar Jackson hit with the non-exclusive franchise tag. Nothing's been matched yet. Is Lamar Jackson being disrespected? Um, yes. I think with the, the list of accolades that Lamar Jackson has, it should be a no-brainer that he should be, uh, when his contract time came up, he should be among the top, if not one of the top uh, guys for contract negotiation, guaranteed money, whatever, because he's earned it already. I mean, he's done what most people dream about doing early in his career. He's still, got, he's still very young, I mean, considering. Um, I think his talent is once in a generation, especially when you're talking about the franchise's dollar, what he's worth to Baltimore, what he means to the city, the revenue he generates, not just the wins and losses he impacts, but Lamar Jackson is one of those superstars that transcends the sport. He's become sort of a figure um, in football, that a brand, if you will. So his brand is worth it alone at this point. Uh, and, uh, league MVP, I mean, who, who, who can say that, you know? 
Uh, what I think is happening is not just necessarily Lamar's being disrespected, but I think the market is trying to adjust back. And I think Deshaun Watson, his contract really put a lot of people back for a lot of reasons, right? Like it was, it was unexpected. It was largely guaranteed considering everything that Deshaun Watson was going through at the time that contract was signed. The quarterback market is, is kind of getting out of control with that, with that contract. And I think this is an example of ownership and I don't want to, you know, collusion's been thrown out there and all that stuff. I think this is an example of at least the Ravens kind of saying, we're going to get back to assessing our situation the way we feel is necessary, not necessarily letting some other contract dictate what we're going to play our guys. Uh, there is the reality of LeVar Jackson not being able to finish seasons. I think this is the third season in a row that he's dealt with an injury at some point where he's missed significant time. Um, so that's a factor when you're talking about investing this much money into a player. Uh, I think there's indications that they're kind of doubt with uh, Lamar Jackson because they, they, of all teams, kind of really put their stake in the ground and changed their offense to fit Lamar's talent. And it seems like with the new offensive quarter, they may be straying away from that. It's possible. But um, I think they're just not as gung-ho about investing in his style of play. And that's their assessment. With this non-exclusive contract, it kind of gives the market a chance to readjust and see how much of Mark Jackson is first. Now, that could be innocent, and then there could be the fact that, hey, owners across the league are realizing what the Ravens are doing and saying, hey, yeah, we're, we don't value that. We're not going to just base his, how much we offer him or based on what Deshaun Watson's guarantee was or Russell Wilson's guarantee was. We're going to make an assessment of the player and, and see if we're willing to invest that much. But in the process, Lamar Jackson, I think, gets the short end of the stick because he's worth the money he's worth box office numbers um just with the, the ticket draws the, the excitement of him the potential of him on the field uh, he's worth it he's top dollar and he's he's probably going to suffer in his contract negotiation because of that kevin herring's with us cofield and company willie ramirez over treasure island cofield down here for the mountain west conference tournament at the thomas and mac did you see that uh tua just a little while ago had his fifth year option picked up so that's to the tune of about 23 million dollars so the dolphins in with tua for the next two years yeah, and I think it's, it's smart because Tua, you know, the beginning of this year before the concussion issue started was playing MVP-level football, and there's no doubt about it. He was one of the most efficient quarterbacks. Their offense was coming. Uh, they were like a shoe-in to make the playoffs and make a run. Like, there were people that were picking him as favorites to win the Super Bowl. And I think during the time he was healthy, he answered most of, if not all, of the questions about him as a quarterback uh, that he had coming into that season. He was right up there with with uh, Jalen Hurts as far as the doubters kind of having to eat crow a little bit at the beginning of the year. So I think he did enough to, to satisfy the Dolphins long-term. I think with what they have, the talent that they have, uh, with a combination of, of veteran receivers like Tyreek and, and of course, um, uh, Waddle, they, I think they have a potential to be explosive if they can keep it together. Um, but that, that's a good indication for Tua, hopefully health-pending and, and, you know, the concussion stuff and all the neurological issues that were brought up last year have, have resolved themselves. Hopefully the rest at the end of the season. I know they extended his concussion protocol a couple of times just to make sure everything was good. Hopefully they figure that out this offseason and he's able to have a healthy and successful career. It looks like Miami's kind of all in on him being the guy for the future. Kevin Herring, former UNLV quarterback, is with us. One of the voices of UNLV football will be the host or one of the hosts of the Barry Odom radio show once that starts up in late August, early September, later this year. So running Rebels, unfortunately, can't get to the semis again in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. It's been since 2014. Lady Rebels, meanwhile, have won the last two tournament titles. 
I mean, they really are the model program at the school. Uh, you know, I wonder what the other programs think when they look at what Lindy LaRock has done in just a couple of years here, and they have a chance to win some games in the tournament with a good seed. Yeah, that's, I think that was the major thing. They've obviously had a great season, back-to-back great season, that have just been absolutely fun to be a part of and watch and see. Um, they are the, I mean, the flagship team right now for UNLV. They've brought in the most success, at least as far as winning and losing. And, and I was kind of concerned about, because of the Mountain West, and you know, maybe because you know, the, the public perception or the national perception of Mountain West basketball, in men's or women's, not a powerhouse conference and it was kind of going to be interesting to see how they got seated to see you know if there was enough respect paid to what they did the winning streak and the all that kind of stuff but it looks like they got a pretty good job we'll see if how, how much they can continue the magic um into the tournament but that would be awesome right like to watch lady rebels go deep uh and 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 keep this run going as long as they can it's, it's good for the university as a whole but congratulations to those ladies i mean they they play phenomenal watching them play is like I've seen some of their, you know, I haven't been to out to the stadium or to the arena. There's, you know, some health reasons for me. But, uh, like, watching them play and seeing their highlight, the way they play as a team, the energy they bring together, some of the individual efforts that they've had throughout the season have just been fun. It's been exciting to, to get involved. And there's a big push in the city with the Aces, of course, to, you know, support women's basketball. It's a national push. And this is an example, I think, of, uh, UNLV and the Lady Rebels really taking advantage of the opportunity and putting on a good show and shining when, when, they, when they had the opportunity to. So we'll see what happens in the tournament. I'm excited for it. Caleb, we appreciate it. Have a good weekend, and we'll check in with you next week. Uh, lots of UNLV football to talk about with the first half of spring practice, that first third, we'll say, of spring practice in the books. But we'll touch on that next week. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care. There is the former Rebel quarterback, Caleb Herring, on NFL quarterbacks, and uh, also what's going on around the school with the uh, conference champion, Lady Rebels giveaway time, 364-1100, we got a set of tickets right now for the legendary George Thurgood, I drink alone, uh, and the Destroyers, 50 years of rock tour, March 25th, March 25th, uh, in the Pearl at the Palms, Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your tickets, but yeah, George Thurgood still going strong, March 25th, Saturday show, caller 7 right now, Ari's going to give you the prize, caller 7, 364-1100 for George Thurgood tickets. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. We'll get to the Raiders in just a little bit as we're set up at the TI, like you heard, Mountain West Conference Tournament here at the Thomas and Mac. Uh, Big deal in the NFL about an hour ago. Panthers move up to the number one pick, so you'd think they're taking a quarterback. Bears move out of the slot. They get two firsts, two seconds, and wide receiver DJ Moore, and we'll address the Raiders' angle on this. If the Panthers were able to move up from number nine, maybe the Raiders should have tried something similar to move up from number seven, but uh, no dice on this one. Again, that's coming up in about 40 minutes in our big four at four. So we were just talking, Willie, about the Lady Rebels, and now we're waiting for Sunday and the unveiling party. Uh, the brackets are revealed. There'll be a big party here at the Strip View Pavilion at the Thomas & Mac with the team, with the coaches, and fans are invited to come on by later, later in the afternoon. There's actually some pretty interesting uh, women's basketball news to mention. I know you wanted to do what you did last year, I guess, uh, kind of stomp 
and yell about the future of Lindy LaRock at the program, you even with all the success, you still believe she is committed to be here and be here for a while. Yeah. I don't understand. Where, there's only one place that everybody can, continues to say that she's just waiting to open, and that is Stanford with Tara Vanderveer. And I am telling everybody that she's not first in line. I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't matter how successful she is. Kate Pay just finished her 15th season as a member of Stanford staff, sixth in a row as the associate head coach. This is a, a woman whose family – whose family has been part of Stanford, dad, mom, every, I mean, they've, brother, they've, they've been all a member of Stanford's. So if anybody thinks that Lindy, because of the success that she had, is for, that, that just puts her first in line, just stop it. Kate Pay is in line to take over for Tara Vanderveer, number one. Number two, with the way that conference realignment and everything that we're hearing – if UNLV at some point in the next five years is going to end up in a different conference or if, if the Mountain West goes away, whatever it is, then Power 5 money is going to flood into the athletic program. So to leave her hometown with a newborn baby and her husband, pack up and bail on a program which she vowed to build – just because it's it, the first three years have been what they've done, they still, you know, what they haven't accomplished? They haven't won a championship, and I guarantee you, if you sit down and had a heart to heart with Lindy LaRock, the goal is step by step, year by year, win a regular season championship, win a tournament championship, get to the NC2A tournament, and win the NC2A tournament. Now, those may sound like lofty goals, like, yeah, 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 like that's going to happen at UNLV Lady Rebels. Well, guess what? Three years ago, if you'd have said what has taken place with Lindy and the Lady Rebels, you'd have also said, yeah, 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 sure. Well, they've dominated. They got 31 wins. They've beaten 24 straight Mountain West opponents going back to last year. And they are completely dominant. They're a dominant program on the West Coast. This is a team that with the right seating and the right bracketing, can go to the Sweet 16 this year and make some noise. Cofield and Company is live at the Thomas and Mac for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Jack Eichel in the slot, drifting, opening up to the middle. He shoots, and it's a loose puck. It's in the goal. Alec Martinez dives in to poke it through. Vegas wins 4-3 in overtime. It leaped through Vasilevsky, twisting like a top in the crease. Martinez desperately dove toward the goal line, jams it across. Vegas wins 4-3. What a hockey game. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. All right, rolling on. You hear the game winner. Hell of a goal. Great game. Brawls all over the place. VGK on the road takes out the Lightning. So while all the college basketball is going on here in Vegas, uh, Golden Knights have more games out of town uh, a bunch over the course of the uh, next few days, three games through Tuesday. Let's talk some Golden Knights. Every week we get a chance to talk to uh, the star of the VGK Insider Show. Here he is, Darren Alexander Millard. What's up, Darren? What's up, Darren? I don't mind it. Uh, I don't know where Alexander comes from, but uh, considering it's attached to the great uh, in historical references, I'll take it. Well, Darren, it's middle name Pride Day, so, you know, we're throwing that out there. 
You are it great. Was just, it was just a guess. And I, I, I have no idea. We've never talked about your middle name. I tried. And you are now on the goaltender depth chart for the Golden Knights. Oh, wow, I guess Willie's going to skate not, right by what your real middle name is. What is your real middle name? John. What? Darren boring. John Millar, DJ. Boring. Well, why is it boring? You said today is middle name Pride Day. Well, now yeah, well, the guy gives his middle you're, name, and you're like, it's boring. It's true. Yeah, this is true. My middle name. Right I just I'm subtly middle name shaming. I apologize. No, no, you're you're not sh- middle name shaming. You're shaming my family, and uh, I take great offense to that. It's, uh, right. yeah, as you uh, should. Some some heritage attached to that name. Uh, William, I, my dad, my great grandfather. I'm take, sorry. Uh, I'm insulted <laughs> by that, uh, Willie. I'm sorry I about that. Willie, yours is, I would assume, <laughs> William Richard Ramirez. I was going to go with doofus. <laughs> but, uh, a lot of people aren't going to understand that reference of Richard Ramirez. I did. Sorry. Scumbag. <laughs> the next uh, talker. <laughs> doofus fits better, <laughs> but since both of you know my byline is W.G. Ramirez, you both are stu not. So, yeah. there you go. William but, DiCepi. Joy. Uh, there's there's a, there's an interesting story behind that yeah. name, but I won't tell you until off the air. Well, my middle name is George. You now go. you're excluding the audience, so you're you're taking a flamethrower to this show. You insult <laughs> me, you yeah. exclude the audience. Anything yeah. you want to do to to Coalfield, and then you hit the cycle. And it's it's almost it's, a, it's almost as if I it's almost as if I treated <laughs> this show this segment as which we don't have segments. Um, I've almost treated this like the. Uh, What's his name? Um, Come on, make Maroon, the segue. Maroon treated the, uh, the 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 damn Golden Knights last night with the uh, brawl. There you go. There you go. I've taken I, the gloves off. Nice job. It was there was ten ejections and there wasn't really a fight in it. Yeah, that's the part that I didn't get. To be yeah, perfectly honest, and I and I I like uh, the odd kerfuffle. Uh, that was a melee that 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 got elevated uh, beyond a kerfuffle. But there wasn't really a fight out of it. I, I'm still somewhat perplexed how we got 10 players tossed out of that in what was a game that was still uh, to be decided. Um, I, I thought the, the officials kind of jumped the gun a little bit. Uh, the most penalties in a BGK game ever, though, uh, 176. You know what Keegan <laughs> called it? On the post game, he called it a Donnybrook. Yeah, Donnybrook uh, is uh, is a little too far for me. It wasn't quite a Donnybrook. You, you need to you need to square off a couple of uh, times with, with guys. There was some pulling and there was some some dragging and there was some punching that was uh, taking advantage of people. There was certainly all of that. But I, I'm still like Donnybrook is that that's getting close to full on brawl. Yeah, it's uh, a stretch. Melee, melee, say, kerfuffle is is bigger than a scrum. Like, there's different words that uh, that, that that cover the elevation of things, and that was that was more middle of the road. Uh, that I don't think that qualifies as a Donnybrook. Speaking to VGK insider Darren John Millard. So, Darren, you know what we did have? We had some spectacular saves uh, mm-hmm. late in the game. Jonathan Quick, uh, yes, it was three to one. Yes. The Lightning, the three-time Eastern Conference high-flying Lightning came back and tied it, forced overtime. But Quick came up big with some saves. Well, I thought he was good from the start. Yeah. Uh, and and this, this was a game uh, in last night that Vegas did not handle a puck uh, particularly well. And they only had nine shots on goal through two periods. A couple of those were from outside the blue line. So if you really want to talk about five-on-five chances... 
uh, they, it was it was closer to five than 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 it was to ten. Uh, it wasn't a game that uh, that you necessarily say uh, Vegas should have been uh, within grasp of, but that's two games in a row where where they've been right there uh, in a game that they didn't have the best stuff. And they didn't find a way against Florida. They did find a way last night. And uh, it, w- it was impressive the way that they were able to take advantage of a couple of things. One, the power play scored. Second, uh, William Carlson gets the, uh, the, the wonderful breakaway goal to, to slide home. Uh, and, and then I thought Jack Eichel, when, when the game started to get testy, yeah. Jack's game went up and and uh, uh, he was uh, among the players that I thought had some 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 of the going even when they didn't have a lot of chances but uh, but as, as things got a little bit more elevated in a temperament mm. uh, he was more involved and uh, I, I they, the play on the the winning goal that was a shot that he wanted that uh, that you could tell uh, had the chance to go in and uh, and it just simply ate up Vasilevsky. that was a different level Jack. Yeah, he's been playing, you know, throughout. There's been some lulls, but I've been impressed with Eichel's overall play and just sort of on ice. He's kept his cool. He's kept his, you know, on and off the ice in the locker room. And I was happy for Alec Martinez uh, laying out like that. You know, he went through so much last year and he's, he's just having a good time this year. So I want to go back to quick, though, Darren, and just talk a little bit about the pickup because we talked yesterday, Steve and I, about whether or not you know, he can sustain now as the number one while they they have some guys hurt. He, he's, you know, 37 years old. We, we've seen an aged goaltender with this organization before, but we know what Marc-Andre Fleury did to take care of his body. Can Jonathan Quick sustain back-to-back-to-back-to-back games? How long can this guy keep it up? I've been one to believe that a team like this can maybe lift the play and get him back to playing what he was once used to. Well, let's just look at uh, the season as a whole. The numbers aren't where Jonathan Quick uh, would like them to be or where Vegas needs him to be if he's going to be leaned on as the number one guy. But a little bit more focus in on his season, and he's now won five of his last six games, uh, guys. So it's trending in the right direction. Five of the last six includes his two starts. Uh, with the, with the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, and two one goal uh, uh, wins in which he's been leaned on for for some some uh, some key stops uh, in those uh, in those games. So uh, I think it's there. I think the challenge and the being uh, that the guy and being leaned on is certainly going to help. There's a chip uh, definitely uh, on that shoulder from what he went uh, against the Los Angeles Kings. So. I think there's a lot of positives here with uh, with a guy who is uh, closing in on 40 and does uh, does definitely play the position in a very different fashion than anybody else in the National Hockey League. So uh, I don't think physically uh, there's any issues with him. Uh, look at the, look at the way he slides around. Look at the way uh, his aggressiveness uh, comes into play. Uh, his flexibility. Uh, he's he he he's right there uh, in that regard. Uh, it's just whether uh, he can develop some consistency, and uh, I, I think that's that's the the big question that he is answering in his first two wins with the Vegas Golden Knights. Now it gets tougher. They've got a back to back this weekend. Do you play? Do you play Jonathan Quick in, in both games? Uh, I would always tend towards the leaning uh, on the uh, the fact that you split those up. Yuri uh, uh, Patera is the backup right now. He's never played the National Hockey League. How much does that factor into it? You've got three games and four nights when you finish it up against Philadelphia. I think that they're going to have to, to give them some break 
here along the way. Today was an off day. Um, uh, I'm sure Monday will be an off day after the back-to-back, but uh, they're going to have to give them some uh, rest before Brassois or Hill or Thompson are back uh, to give them a little bit more depth. But the, the, the move is genius right now. He gives them some swagger, man. He he did. He's got a presence, and uh, and I loved uh, seeing him outduel uh, the best goaltender in the world in Vasilevsky. Once again, speaking with Darren Millard, VGK Insider. You can also watch him uh, hosting the show, the hosting the games in between periods, before and after. So, Darren, um, you mentioned the upcoming back to back. They're on a nice uptick right now. It's the perfect timing as you know the season's winding down. This road trip. What? on the offensive end is suddenly what are you seeing that's all of a sudden clicking lately who what chemistry what has bruce done bruce cassidy well he's he's put barbershop with with jack eichel and john marshall and that that line has certainly gelled together and and found some consistency uh he he moved uh, some of the lines around last night uh and i'm curious to see whether he'll continue uh with that uh moving forward uh, but you've got a couple of guys right now who are knocking on the door of getting back into it offensively. And I think some of that is the coach uh, sliding pieces and, and looking for a spark. But uh, a lot of that rests on the athletes. And, and it's just cyclical where uh, you'll, you'll go through different waves. But Riley Smith has been uh, way more uh, effective uh, with the puck. I think William Carlson's been um, just all over it and hasn't been able to get much out of it. Uh, seeing that puck uh, just glide in, uh, it, it threw Vasilevsky off because uh, the, the puck just went into the place that he wasn't expecting it to go last night. But that's, that's William Carlson putting himself in the position for the breakaway. Uh, I think that's a huge part. Uh, Chandler Stevenson having the tipping goal. Uh, it, uh, it counts as a shot, but uh, I'd, I'd like to see more opportunities for Chandler Stevenson in and around the net, but getting the confidence going with the tip-in goal uh, on, on the power play, that's, that's huge uh, for the Vegas Gold Knight. So I, I, I think that he's just he's moved some pieces around since the trade deadline, uh, looking for a spark, and you're starting to see it. Uh, the best line last night, quite honestly, uh, most consistent line last night, was uh, was the fourth line with with Teddy Bluger uh, centering and, and Keegan Colasar uh, and Brett Howden. I thought they were really really good last night. Uh, they were on for the uh, melee uh, and and stood up uh, well from the cells. Uh, I, I thought that that, that they showed uh, showed themselves uh, very well. Darren, we got twenty seconds left. Oh. Uh, Willie wanted to ask you about National Ranch Day dressing. Are you a ranch guy? What do you throw it on if you are a ranch guy? I'm a ranch guy. I love it with my pizza and fries. Pizza and fries. That a boy. That a boy, DJ. That a boy, DJ. Yeah. There he is. Darren Millard. Enjoy Raleigh for all it has. Enjoy it. You don't sound like you're really into it. You know, I don't know a lot about it, but we're out of time, so uh, we'll get a report on Raleigh and the rest of this very sexy road trip for you next week. (laughs) See you, boys. (laughs) There he is. DJ. I like that. Uh, We're going to go with DJ. Sounds very athletic. He's an athlete. He's an athlete. DJ Millard carries us out of the 3 o'clock hour. Four on the way with Justin Watkins.